0: Welcome to this workshop. I think you all know that the title of the workshop is Doing Courtship God's Way. And, um, my name is Casper. And this is my wife, Faya. And we have been married for now five months, almost. So we, that is still, that's quite recent. So we don't have that much experience in marriage, uh, but we do have quite some experience in all the process leading up to marriage. And it's still quite fresh in our minds. So, um, that is what we will share today. All of this process that we are trying to find out if we should, if it is God's will, you should marry someone or not. And of course, also in this process, then how are you to be around each other? so on. Um, Okay, before we dive into the subject, I would like to uh, have a word of prayer and ask for the Lord's help. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you now and ask for your blessing. Lord, we want to follow you in every aspect of our lives and also this about marriage and courtship. I pray, O Lord, that you will put your word in our mouths and that you will help us now to think and that you will speak to us and guide us in this area of our lives. Amen. Okay, So, we called it doing courtship God's way, and that is because in this topic of courtship and relationships, we want to do it according to God's way, according to His principles, and with His guidance, and for His glory. And not just to do it like everyone else around us are doing, because they, as we see it in the world, it is mostly not according to the best principles. That's why we want to see God's principles in these things. and. We will talk quite a lot about the considerations to make if you should marry someone or not. And why do we then call it courtship? That is because we strongly believe that the purpose and the aim of courtship should not merely be to have a nice time together and have fun, but with an aim towards marriage. So we recognize that God, He created marriage. We don't see in the Bible that God, He created courtship. However, it is there are of course certain steps towards marriage. Elmaity writes in the Ministry of Healing that we should let every step toward marriage be characterized by modesty and simplicity and so on. So there are certain steps toward marriage where we are getting to know the other person and so on. Um, But we don't want to have an aimless courtship. Probably you know the quote that success in any line demands a definite aim. And I think it applies also to this area that it should be with an aim towards marriage. It may not end there, but it should not be aimless. Okay, so why do we have a workshop about this topic? Is it so important? Is it not just, okay, I love you, you love me, and we'll try, and then it may work out well? Okay, let's read this quote from Adventist home. It says, if those who are contemplating marriage would not have miserable, unhappy reflections after marriage, they must make it a subject of serious, earnest reflection now. Okay, a question. How many of you want to have miserable, unhappy reflections after marriage? Anyone? No, of course not. So according to this quote, how can we hinder that from being the reality? What do we need to do? We want to now make it a subject of serious and earnest reflection. So we need to seriously think about this very thoroughly. Okay, let's read on. This step taken unwisely, is one of the most effective means of ruining the usefulness of young men and women. So what is it that can ruin the usefulness of young people? Is it marriage in general? No. It says if we take this step unwisely, then that can be the result. It doesn't need to be like that, and that we will touch on just in a minute. But there is a danger if we do it unwisely that the result will be that our usefulness in this world can be ruined. And that is serious. We are here at ASI because we want to be useful in God's work, right? And we don't want to do anything that will conflict with that purpose. Okay. Um.
1: Yeah. Well, I just want—I once talked with a young man and he was very concerned if he could still be effective in the work of God and in the same time be married. And maybe some of you have the same thoughts. Maybe I will be distracted or maybe I will not be so focused. But me, I and and this young man, we talked about that it really depends who you marry and why you're marrying. I don't think it's God's plan for everyone's life to be married. I think he can call you to some kind of work for him where you would be more effective without wife or family. So that is, of course, very important to be aware of and ask God if that is His plan for you. But for many, if marrying of the right motives and marrying someone that is God fearing and has it as their life goal to work for God, marriage does not need to lessen your usefulness. Look at this quote from me, uh, from Ellen White. It is a uh a quote taken for a a marriage speech she had. Marriage does not lessen their usefulness, but strengthen it. They may make that married life a ministry to win souls to Christ. So marriage does not need to lessen your usefulness, but it can actually rather enlarge it. And that also um and that is also when it comes to working for God. And then she moves on in the quote. And uh, she talks about her own experience in marriage and ministry, and I know thereof I speak, because for 36 years, my husband and I were united, and we went everywhere that the Lord said, "Go, so you can actually make your married life a ministry to win souls to Christ. And I think there are so many ways a God-fearing couple can strengthen and help each other in the mission. A big blessing and benefit that Casper and I have experienced, that is that you always have someone that you can pray with as you go through life. You can remind each other of God's promises and you can encourage each other. So that is very, very precious. And we have also experienced, Casper and I, that being married opens some new possibilities in ministry that we could not do the same way when we were not married. For instance, we have experienced that inviting people to our home or go and visit people in their homes is a very, very good way to do ministry. Because by doing that, you are able to create some personal relationships with people and you can get some deeper conversations with people, also from the world. And before I was married, I was not really able to do that the same way if it was someone from the other gender that was single. So I could not really go and visit them or give them Bible studies if they're interested in that when I was alone. But now as a married couple, Casper and I can go together and we can visit people, invite people and have Bible studies with single people with no problem. It feels very natural. So that is just one example of how marriage can like open some new precious possibilities in marriage, Mm. in ministry.
0: Yeah, of course more could be said about the purpose of marriage. But let's, let's go on a little bit. So, as we are thinking about this subject, there, there's one very important thing that we want to emphasize here in the beginning, which is seen in this quote. It says, A sincere Christian will not advance his plans in this direction without the knowledge that God approves his course. He will not want to choose for himself, but will feel that God must choose for him. We are not to please ourselves for Christ please not himself. okay, let's stop here as I was in this process of finding out if I should go into relationship with fire or not, and also later, I had to think about honestly if God would show me that this was not his plan, would I then obey it, or would I be so so bent on having my own will that I would I would not like to listen to God's guidance, and if we cannot honestly say that we will follow whatever the Lord, however the Lord He leads, then all of the things that we're going to look at later will not really make any sense, because we will not. Gi- we will just try to interpret all the things according to our own will. So that is an important point, because as it says here, we are not to please ourselves for Christ; please not Himself. Okay, so a question. Should we enter into marriage for selfish reasons? No. Should we do anything out of selfishness? No. Okay. So, selfishness is the very opposite of selfless love. And we we see in in the Bible where love is defined that love does not seek its own. And we are not to please ourselves for Christ pleased not himself. Okay, so as, as the quote also goes on to say, it doesn't mean that we should marry someone that we do not love and are not attracted to. It just means that we are not doing it to please ourselves. But in whatever we do, whatever we eat or drink or whatever we do, we should do it all to glory. the glory of God. Okay, so I was I was talking to, to someone that she she used to have like a kind of a desperation to get married. She wanted to find a partner. But there was something that that helped her very much. She was told that if you marry, you do it for God. And if you stay unmarried, you do that for God. And that takes away the desperation that I just need to find one, otherwise I can never be happy. And I think. Yeah, would you? Yeah. Go on.
1: I would like to add something to that because I also had some thoughts about this. And when Casper and I, we had to find out if we should go into a relationship. I could sometimes in the beginning feel a little sad and worried when I was thinking about the fact that maybe God would say no. Maybe He would say that I should not marry Casper. That was difficult. I thought because I loved Casper. I loved being together with him. But God helped me to understand. If he said no, that would be okay. And I would feel good about his decision. And why could I feel good about his decision even though he said no? I could that because I knew that God, he always wants me the very best. And God, he knows the outcome of this relationship. He knows the future. I don't. So God, he knows what's best for me. And I trusted that. And that gave me such a peace in this situation. And God, he helped me to understand that being married with Casper, being together with Casper, that would not bring me true happiness. Hmm. Because no human love could bring me true happiness. The only thing that can bring a human being, true happiness. That is to work for God, and being close to Him. Um, recently, I uh, I was reading a quote cro- a from Ellen White. I also think we were singing it yesterday. She says that the only thing that can truly satisfy is unselfish service. And could I still work for God without being married with Casper? Yes. Married with Casper or not married with Casper, I would in any case be able to work for God. I would in any case be able to do what could bring me true happiness. And that really gave me peace-filled and joyful hearts in in this unsure situation. And there is this amazing quote from Ellen White, I think, that's just very important. Very important to understand. The heart... The heart yearns for human love, but this love is not strong enough or pure enough or precious enough to supply the place of the love of Jesus. Only in her Savior can the wise find wisdom, strength and grace to meet the cares, responsibilities and sorrows of life. She should make him her strength and her guide. Let woman give herself to Christ before giving herself to any early friend and enter into no relation which your conflict
0: with this. Hmm. So, it might be that human love can, for a time, seem to satisfy our desires. But in the end, it really cannot. And that's why we are not just going into marriage to please ourselves, because we need some love. We realize that God has created marriage and there are many blessings in that. But if we are not first giving ourselves to Christ and have him as our friend, if we don't do that, marriage will not make us happy. Okay. Um, yes. So, okay. So, as we are surrendering this also this choice to God, there's also an important thing to remember, and that is, is God willing... To guide us in this area of, of our lives. Yes. So, in a, a well known verse, maybe in Psalms 32, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. So, this shows that God, is very willing to, to show us the way that we should go. But here in Psalms 25, it says, the humble, He guides in justice, and the humble, he teaches his way. And that speaks to us that we must be humble enough to receive the guidance of God. Okay, and I was very often, or at least sometimes I was thinking as I was in this process of finding out to marry fire or not, why couldn't God just write like his answer in the sky? Have you ever thought about that? I it would be so think. nice if I could just say, okay, I'm interested in Freya. She is uh, beautiful and she seems to be kind. Okay, God, should I marry her or not? Write your answer in the sky. I think that would be very nice. Mm -hmm. And I think it is a noble desire to know God's specific will. But if he chooses not to do that, we must also accept it. And as I was thinking about these things, I, I, I came across a verse and um, that also speaks about what God's will is not as specifically but in 1st Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3 it says for this is the will of God your sanctification this told me that even in the situation where i didn't know right now specifically what God's will was i always know that it is God's desire his will to sanctify me and if it would just be about asking for a sign and then that was it. Probably it would not do much to my character. But being in this process, it teaches us something about how to be his child and wait for his guidance. Because if it was only about getting a specific sign from God, then there would not be any reason to make earnest, serious reflections now and to make a careful investigation and to weigh every sentiment and watch for every development of character and to seek counsel of people, the things that we're going to look at later, if it was only about seeking a sign from God. So we must surrender this part of of our lives and feel that God must choose for us. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't want us to think. So here's here's a letter that El Elmaiji wrote to a, a young man called Rolf where she said, now, Rolf, I cannot say that it is my business to say that you shall not marry Edith, but I will say that I have an interest in you. Here are things which should be considered. And then she goes on to speak about certain things. For instance, how this woman is uh, spending her money, tells something about her character, and so on. And then in the end, she writes, Rolf, I want you to consider all these things. God help you to pray over this matter. Angels are watching this struggle. I leave you with this matter to consider and decide for yourself. Question. Would it be possible for God to, through his own prophet, to say if Rolf should marry Edith or not?
1: Would it be possible?
0: It would be possible. The messages that she had came from God. But God, he also wants us to think and consider prayerfully. And that's why in this next session we will go on to look at what things should we then look for in the other person. What things should we consider?
1: Yeah. So what should we look for and how should we look? Recently I was about to uh, buy a new bike. And when I came there to look at the bike, i used a lot of time trying it i wanted to be sure that this bike was good in every situation i could think about so i tried the gears and the brakes and i looked very closely on the wheels looked at it in every little detail because i did not want to invest so much if this bike was not very good well this was just a bike but then, what about the one you're thinking about as a life partner? Is it important to make careful investigation on this person? Well, look at this quote from Ellen White. In your choice of a wife or a husband, study her character. So what are we to do before choosing someone as a life partner? Study their character. We must base our decision On careful investigation and analyzing of the other person and that just takes time if you are to look deeper into a person's life and personality that just takes time so don't hasten through this process you would rather take good time than to spend a whole life in an unhappy marriage Hmm. because you don't want to find out after the wedding that this person was not what you expected that there are maybe some serious problems in the life or in the personality. I had a friend and she did not make careful investigation or analyzing of her relationship. She loved him. Wasn't that enough? And she is not the only one thinking like that. That is what many people think. But is that enough that you love each other? I don't think so. This friend of mine, she did not study his character. And shortly after the wedding, he proved to be a whole other person than she thought he was. And she is now divorced. And she regrets now deeply that she did not make careful investigation and studied his character.
0: Okay. So, how then can you know, how can you study the character of the other person? So, just briefly... Of course the most obvious one and the most important thing in the beginning is to observe the other person from a distance. So looking at how they behave, they will tell something about what is in their heart and we'll come back to what things to look for. And also, especially as if the relationship progresses, we know that the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That's why conversation in the culture process is critical, of course, also to agree on, on certain points. And then, it is so that you can, to a certain degree, behave nicely, even though your character is not pure. So, as, as we see here, it is in a crisis that character is revealed. That's a quote from Ellen White uh, in the chapter about the the Ten Virgins. So the parable of the ten virgins, there's seen no difference before the bridegroom delays. And then in that crisis, the difference is seen between the two groups.
1: Yeah, and that's right. And that was also why for me, when Casper and I had to find out if we should go into a relationship, it was also very important for me not only to analyze him or see him when everything was good and there was no challenges in his life. I wanted to see Casper when he faced some pressed situations. How was he and how was he to me when he had a sermon next day and he had not had time to prepare anything of it yet? Would he be angry? Would he be irritated at me? And how would he react if someone said something unkind to him or treated him badly? How was he when he was tired and so on? Because I knew that it was in situations like these where it would be very difficult for Casper to fake a personality. It was in situations like these where I could really truly see what was in his heart.
0: Hmm. So important to observe those times as well. And I think, I think there might also be a place for more of a testing to put the other person in a stress situation
1: yeah because okay. you you might not have had the chances to like see the other in okay. some press situations,
0: so I think probably that's not in the beginning uh, of the process, but 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 what we want we want to study the character of the other person and knowing that character is revealed in a crisis. so I also wanted to know what was in Haya's heart, also when she was not treated very nicely and she was being accused and whatever so there was, there was one uh, one uh, day, it was uh, after we got into a relationship, then she was visiting my parents, where I also lived at the time, and so I had asked Faya to make some oat porridge for me in the morning, and I wanted it to be ready at seven o'clock, and then uh, she happily did that. But when I came out there and it was done, the time was past seven o'clock, so so, I said to Freya, why is it that you are late? I'm very hungry now. I said it should be ready at 7 o'clock. And then, okay, so, so I went on to then to eat it. And then I, I it was not so easy for me, but, but I said, okay, there is too little salt in it. You always put too little salt in the porridge. And I wanted to see how does she react when I'm not treating her nicely? Is she Giving back in the same way, or and is she, is she maybe being hurt because she doesn't feel that her efforts are appreciated, or is she being having meekness and just being happy to serve? However, whatever she gets back, and I think it, I think it's worth considering at least um, because we want to know what is in the heart of the other person, and um,
1: it can be necessary.
0: It's not to be
1: evil, but it can be necessary.
0: Yeah. Of course, afterwards I told her that it was just a test. So (laughs) she didn't need to write those my my behavior into her observations. (laughs) But I've also heard of another test. And I think I actually like it. So that's maybe more for the women. If the man would come to you with flowers, what you can do is throw them away. Throw them in the trash. And see how the man reacts. So, if he gets angry with you, then <clears throat> that's not a good sign. And and in, in such a situation, you will probably not have time to think so much about it. You will see what is in the heart of the other person. Rather, see if they get angry, or if they are just, okay, is there something wrong with you, honey? Or... You are allowed to do whatever you will with those flowers. It is not my money that I have spent; it's the God's money. So, putting the other under pressure, I think you can take or leave the, the, the council, but I think it is it can be a proper thing in the, as your courtship process progresses. Yeah, something to consider at least.
1: Yeah. Okay. So now we have talked about the importance of analyzing the other person. But how can you more practically analyze another person? Well, I knew myself and I knew that the one moment I could see a weakness in Kasper's character, but the next moment he smiled this very nice way to me and I have forgot everything about it. <laughs> so I think it can be very difficult to make a critical, objective analysis of someone that you have feelings for. So what I did myself was that I actually made a document where I was writing questions uh, that I thought was important for a future husband and where I could also note observations about Casper. And that actually helped me really much. I did that through the whole process with Casper from the time um, we found out that we were interested in each other to our wedding day. And when Casper proposed to me, I could go and look at this document and I could see if there were some problems that I had forgot about. So this is just a tool you could maybe use um, to be sure that you take your decision about your future spouse, not only based on your feelings, but also on reason, mm. to make sure of yourself that you're not blinded of your own feelings. Yeah, but what then could be some relevant question to ask yourself about the other person? Well, what is the most important thing in life? Well, that is to serve God and do His will and be close to Him. And therefore, the most important question to ask about a life partner are these. Will this union help me heavenward? Will it increase my love for God? And will it enlarge my sphere of usefulness? In this life, if you cannot answer yes to these three questions, you don't need to ask more questions. Because if the other person is the nicest person in the world, they have a good economy, they're very helpful, and all other things are perfect about this person, but still, if you cannot answer yes to these three questions, I don't think there will be the right person to marry. Mm. And Casper will explain more about that. Yeah. Why not?
0: So, so these questions, of course, touch on the on the spirituality of the other person, if the person is devoted to God and so on. So, that is also why God, in His Word, several times warns against marrying unbelievers. And I think, yeah, we we will touch on that, and then we will have a little break. I think we will ask that uh, later. Ten minute break. Okay. But here in Deuteronomy chapter seven, that's just one example. Um, Let's read from verse 3. So God is speaking to the Israelites, saying, Nor shall you make marriages with them, and that is all the surrounding nations of Israel, the is it, Amorites, Canaanites, and so on. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. And then the reason for this command is given in verse 4. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So here we see that God, in his wisdom, he sees that if his people would go and marry with people that are not worshippers of the true God and not having the true faith, the result will be that his people will be led away from him. And that is because, yeah, and of course we have, unfortunately, we have some examples in the Bible of people where this happened. Does anyone have some examples? Solomon is probably the most well known. The Bible says that, well, Solomon, he, he was in the beginning a very good king, but his all of his pagan wives, they turned his heart away from the Lord and led him into sin, it says. And also there are other um times in the story of history of Israel, as we read in the, the um, Sabbath school now, Esther and Nehemiah. It was also a problem that God's people started intermarrying with, uh, with the heathen people around them. Also before the flood, it was the, the sons of God, the descendants of Seth started intermarrying with the descendants of Cain. And that made the, the true worship, it, 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 it surely, slowly, slowly faded away. And in the end, there was only eight people that, that worshiped the true God. So, in Amos 3:3 it says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? So, in a marriage relation, you are you are a team. And if you have opposite purposes in your lives, you cannot work very well together. You cannot walk together. And it might be that in the beginning those differences may seem to be small. But I heard a nice illustration, and that is if you're walking Besides each other, but you have a, have a slightly different direction. In the beginning, you can still be quite close. But as you continue, if you have different directions, the gap between you will just enlarge. And it may be that some will argue, okay, though this person is not a Christian, she is very, she's a very nice person. She has a good moral character and she accepts that I want to to live out my faith and so on, but what the Bible says is is quite clear about this. That God He warns against marrying unbelievers, and, and then maybe another point, because what about then people that are not Seventh Day Adventists? Maybe that's a, a more relevant uh, discussion. So for us, that that was an issue <clears throat> because. When we, uh, expressed interest in each other, I was an Adventist, but Freyashi was a Christian from another denomination. And, um, we were very, we were too young at the point. There were many things we didn't know at this point. We had not gone to an ASI workshop about this, unfortunately, but we did want to do God's will. So, we we want to we wanted to consider okay would it be proper for us to go into a relationship even though we are not from the same denomination if it is a true seeker and someone that is that is a, a serious Christian I actually went to an ASI workshop about it afterwards with only this question in mind can you get together with someone that is not an anarchist and and the 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 question was not addressed which is of course fair enough but Afterwards, I've come, I came across this quote where Elmite defines the unbeliever that we should not marry. It says, though the companion of your choice were in all other respects worthy, which he is not, yet he has not accepted the truth for this time. He is an unbeliever and you are forbidden of heaven to unite yourself with him. So as I see this quote, You can disagree, but I see even if the other person is a Christian, but let's say the other person has not accepted the Sabbath. The Sabbath will be a great testing truth in the end of times. As I see it, if he has not accepted the truth for this time, which would include that and other things as well, of course, you are forbidden of heaven to unite yourself with him. And also, I think it makes sense that if you are to work to bring people to know the truth for this time, you must, of course, both agree on that. And as we, as we were in this process of trying to find out would it work out or not, Freya, she also sometimes came to me and asked some questions. So, Casper, if, if we would get married and we would have children, could I then sometimes, just once in a while, bring them, bring them to church on Sunday? And I would think, no, it, it would not It would not work out. That would be confusing for the children if mother and father disagrees um, on those foundational things. And we had to come to the conclusion that it would not work out. And that's why we also, if we cannot be married, then also we didn't want to go into a relationship because we want... To only go, we also wanted to only go into relationship with an aim towards marriage, and if it's a clear hindrance, then we should not go there. So I think maybe it's time to have a break. Yes. So um, let us begin again at eleven fifty. Okay, in nine minutes. We will uh, we'll begin again. So you can have a break until then. And about not marrying unbelievers. Now another little practical thing. I just mentioned it briefly before about economy. So I don't think we'll take time to read the quote, but looking at how the other person spends his or her money is also a little practical thing to get a glimpse of the character of the other person. If the person is using all her means to gratify a love of appearance, to just do what she wants, or do we see that there's a person that is also self-sacrificial in this part of her life, desiring to use the money as a steward for God. And secondly, it is also very important to agree or to have similar opinions about economy in marriage. So um, disagreements on financial things is a major reason for divorce. And we've also just experienced that economy is a a quite big part of our everyday life. And when you start to share your economy, there can easily be some uh, problems if you don't, if you not have similar opinions about that. Um, So one thing to think about.
1: Yeah, and another thing that is also very important, that is not only to look at how the other person treats you, but also to remember to look at how the other person treats all others, especially how a man treats his mother. Because that will give you a good indication of how he will treat you when years go by. Of course, it's also a woman you can also get some precious um, information from looking how they're treating their parents, but especially a man and his mother. In White says that, yeah, does he recognize his obligations to his mother? Is he mindful of her wishes and happiness? If he does not respect and honor his mother, yes, do you then think he would manifest respect, love and kindness towards his
0: wife? Hmm. So... It's easier to to be nice and to show love to someone that you also have feelings towards. But it might be different with your own mother. However, if you are a faithful believer, you will also love and honor your parents. Even though you might not have the same feelings, but if you have love as a principle, that will also be shown in your relation to your parents. So... So looking at that is also an important indicator of the person's character and of course about how um, the other one will treat you as you get older.
1: Yeah. And then we will also like to make this point that it is not only about looking for all these things in someone else. It's not only about asking all these questions about the other person. First of all, you need to ask all these questions about yourself. You have to consider deeply if you yourself are ready for marriage, if you have the right motives before you start looking for all these things in a potential spouse.
0: Mm. So maybe it it can be also a good thought experiment not to do it uh, in reality, but if if there's one that you're considering, if she would then come to you and ask counsel of you, would you then recommend yourself? So, of course, I I don't think that's uh, the best way to do it. And it's also true that as we are getting closer to Jesus, we will see still more of our sinfulness. Okay. But I think we should still be able to consider our own preparation for marriage. And we will also come to uh, seeking counsel. On that part, we also especially need to ask confidential people around us about our own preparation. Because you can think that I'm very ready. But maybe you don't see it as reality as... For us, when we um, expressed interest and started thinking about relationship, we uh, we were quite young. I was only 17, she was 18. And we thought that we were quite mature because, I mean, we were not like all our classmates. I mean, we we were, we were not playing computer all the time, and we were serious about our schoolwork, and we also, I mean, did Bible studies and all kinds of things. But now, as you look back, I could see, and wow, okay, now I see myself in another light. And that's why it's also important to seek counsel of others, both about your own preparation and the other person. And that's what we will come to now.
1: Yeah. Have you ever heard that if you are in doubt about something, you should just listen to your heart? Well, I have heard it from movies and from some of my friends. But is it really a good idea only to listen to your heart? Well, let's look what the Bible says. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, We can read that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We should not only listen to our own heart in the matter of courtship and marriage. That is not wise because the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked of sin. So it is not wise to only trust your own feelings Mm. and your own thoughts Mm. in this matter.
0: Because to be deceitful, to be deceived, That is, you are convinced about something that is actually not the truth. So also, as this uh, verse in Proverbs state, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So there can be things that we think this is just the right way to go, but we can be blinded by certain things. And and, uh, in this topic of courtship, it can often be blinded by our own feelings. And it also says in Proverbs that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. And lastly, where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitudes of counselors, there is safety. Okay, let's read this one also. Almighty writes in Letters to Young Lovers, give yourself sufficient time for observation on every point. Okay, that we have been looking at until now, To to make careful observation on every point. And then, do not trust to your own judgment and let the mother who loves you and your father and confidential friends make critical observations of the one you feel inclined to favor. So, for us, as I mentioned, there were many things we did not know in the beginning. and um, But we did want to do God's will. We did want to pray for His guidance. And we also did recognize the importance of seeking counsel from other people. So, as we had expressed interest in each other, we also wanted to seek counsel. But then the question was, who should we then seek counsel from? So, if we had gone to our classmates, chances are that they would say something like, Oh, you will be so cute together, and... oh. if you love her and she loves you, then yeah, go for it. <laughs> that might be. We, we didn't only want to hear that. We wanted to hear the truth from someone that we knew, also knew God's principles and wanted the best for us. So we went to a couple that was a bit older and we, we opened our hearts to them and, and asked counsel of them. And they... I think this really saved us from a lot of misery. They pointed out, very honestly, that because of the disagreements between us, it would not be wise to enter in a relationship. And, and we saw that, and that really helped us. So seeking counsel from people, I think, is very important. And here is a piece about confidential friends, and also the mother who loves you and your father. So maybe some will think to, to, uh, to ask counsel of your parents in this area, isn't that like strange or is it like old-fashioned maybe? But our parents, they love us and they also know us very well. So for me, it was also... Um, a good thing that I wanted to open my heart also and thinking, okay, there is this girl, I'm thinking about it, what do you think? Father? And I think that is very important. It doesn't mean that we should just do whatever our parents say in this area. What we want them to is, as it says, to make critical observations of the one you feel inclined to favor and of yourselves as well. Um, Yes.
1: yes, I also think indeed it is very important to yeah, seek counsel from other humans and prepare yourself well in such a big matter as marriage. Well, I mean, just look at the business world. In business, people manifest great caution. Before engaging in any important enterprise, they prepare themselves well for their work. And they seek counsel from experts on this area, experts on business, and much time and money and careful study are devoted to this subject. But isn't the question about marriage of much greater importance than some money issues? Yes, it is indeed. So how much more should we then prepare ourselves, make careful investigation with this question? And yes, we have looked at that. It is very important to seek counsel from other humans. But the most important thing, that is to seek counsel from God. That is the most important thing. You need to talk with him. You need to pray and pray and pray. Look at this quote from Ellen White. If men and women are in the habit of praying twice a day before they contemplate marriage, they should pray four times a day when such a did is anticipated. So give God all your thoughts. Pray that he will help you in this important question about marriage. Because as we also looked at, he really, really wants to help you. Pray that he will open and close his doors for you in this decision. And pray that he will help you to not be blinded of your own feelings. So it will be difficult for you to hear his voice or see the signs he gives you. It's so important to pray.
0: Okay, so we've been talking quite a lot about all the considerations to do as we are thinking about if this person is, is one to marry or not. But we also want, as I've said in the beginning, we also recognize that there are certain steps toward marriage. So in this process of courtship, then we want to also talk a little bit about how to be around each other and some things about physical contact. So, as I was asking counsel of someone in this area, I was shown this verse from Song of Solomon that says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles, or by the does of the field, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. So this verse tells us that there is a time where we should not stir or awaken up love until a certain time comes. So, also here, from Adventist's home, it says, early connections, if formed without the consent of parents, have seldom proved happy. The young affections should be restrained until the period arrives when sufficient age and experience will make it honorable and safe to unfetter them. So this talks about age, especially. And that would mean, if you are, if you would be in in an age... When it would not be proper to go into a relationship, but you have feelings towards someone, those feelings should not be stirred up or awakened, but rather restrained. And I think it also applies to not only age, but also as you are going in this process of getting to know uh, a person better, that there is also, um, to a certain degree, should restrain your feelings until it is safe to unfetter them, that means to release them. Okay, so this is also a point where we did mistakes in the beginning, we want to be honest about that. So, as we've told, when we expressed interest in each other, we were discussing, and we also came to the conclusion that at this point, it would not be proper for us to go into a relationship. However, we, we still um, unfortunately started also having some physical contact. So for instance, we had, I can say, long hugs. It felt really nice. And both of us wanted it. And both of us accepted it. But after some time, I had to think, is this really the right thing to do? Mm-hmm. I am now... Awakening or stirring up love and binding myself before I have taken the intellectual decision that this is the right thing to do.
1: Yeah, and well, it was very long, <laughs> So, <laughs>
0: And, and um, yeah, what should I say? Then I had to say, okay, this is not right to do. And it, w- it was difficult to stop it. But we truly believe it was the right thing to do to restrain the feelings, and also that leads us to the next uh, and maybe last topic about physical contact before marriage. So we'll do that by looking at some uh, passage from Song of Solomon. So I was shown this uh, less than a year ago, but I found it very interesting. You can make your own conclusions, but, uh, but try to follow along and see what these verses tell about what is proper and what is not proper to do before marriage? Okay, so it's from Song of Solomon, chapter 4, starting from verse 10. It says, and it is Solomon speaking How fair is your love, my sister, my spouse! How much better than wine is your love, and the scent of your perfumes than all spices! Your lips, oh my spouse, drip as the honeycomb, honey and milk are under your tongue and the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. So Solomon is speaking to this woman and calls her his spouse. Okay, so are they married? Yes, it is his spouse. Okay, then it tells here in verse 12, a garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. A spring shut up, a fountain sealed. And then it goes on to talk about all the fruits that are in the garden that is in her garden. So the woman is described as a garden having fruits in it. But the garden is described as being closed and sealed up. So no one has eaten of the fruits in her garden. But... Yeah, then then it describes the the different spices and fruits that are in the garden. And then let's read from verse 16. Verse 16. Awake, O north wind, and come, O south. Blow upon my garden, that its spices may flow out. And then, here's an annotation from her to him. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat its pleasant fruits. So, she is described as a garden. And it was closed. But now she invites him and says, Now come to your garden and eat the fruits. Okay. Let's read the next verse. Then Solomon says, I have come to my garden, my sister, my spouse. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. Okay. So, the Bible is very clear about saving your sexuality for marriage. Okay, and this is described as saving your fruits, not giving them away to everyone else, but being a closed garden until marriage. But let's try to look at what kinds of fruits are described here that are in the garden. Okay, so there's myrrh with spice. We've seen that in the garden And then it says, I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey, wine, and milk. Okay, a question. Where is the honey and the milk to be found? Did you notice that? Maybe I should go back. In verse 11, it speaks about those fruits that he comes that are part of the fruits that comes after it is his spouse and she invites him to come and eat of the fruits. It speaks about these fruits. Honey, your lips, oh my spouse, drip as the honeycomb. Honey and milk are under your tongue. So again, you can make your own conclusions. I'm not, we're not trying to press anything upon you. But as we see it, saving the fruits for marriage would also as we should include also the fruits in the mouth, on the lips and under the tongue, and about kissing.
1: Yeah. And I think there are some kinds of physical contact that is more dangerous than other kinds of physical contact. I think you can do things that is not exactly having sex, but is just sexual arousing in its nature. And we as humans... We are just so weak. And it is so easy to take the next step when it comes to physical contact. It is so easy to go into a mood that will just lead you too far. And I think kissing is just something that can lead you into this mood very easily. And this is not just some annoying stupid rule that is to hinder you from doing something that is nice. But it's just, it will just be much more special a much bigger blessing if you save these things for the one you are sure you're going to be married to the rest of your life my own reasoning about kissing with casper and touching each other more intimate places was that would i regret that we have not done these things and we ended up being married no i would probably not because then we would have the rest of our life to do that and that's also I can confirm that that is how I feel now. I don't regret at all, but would I then regret if we had kissed and had touched each other more intimate places, and we found out that we should not marry, and he ended being another girl's husband? Yes, that I would probably regret, and I think for me another thing that I really liked about not have a lot of um physical contact, touching or kissing with Casper, was that that gave me a kind of security of what kind of love he had to me. Because I knew that Casper really desired to kiss me and touch me. But that he still loved me without having these things gave me a security that it was not only my body he wanted, but he wanted me. As a person, he wanted my personality. And I think that is something that many girls can be unsure about if the man only uses them to fulfill his own desires. So, so I, I really like that.
0: Hmm. And that's why we also want to encourage you to at least make some, if in a courtship process and also in engagement, to have some very clear boundaries about physical contact because if you don't make those boundaries, you will probably just do whatever feels nice and it's easy to take the next step. Mm. Um. Okay, so. Okay. In the end here, um, I will, yes. So, (coughs) we're about to close but we have have mentioned quite some some quotes here in in this session. And we also want to, just a practical advice, that uh, study these things for yourself, because we cannot just look to the world and see how things are done. We must see what is the principles from God in these areas of courtship and marriage. And especially we can recommend the last chapters of Messages to Young People, and the first ten fifteen uh chapters of Adventist Home and also Letters to Young Lovers. Those books, they really contain precious counsel uh in this part of our lives.
1: Yeah. And it was very nice for us to read like Adventist Home Together. And it was very good to read the first chapters about who you should look for and and the engagement and so on, but it was also very good actually to read the chapters about children and the home and so on, because it's Mm. very good that you talk about these things um, before you you go into marriage. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah. because it's not only about studying the character of the other person, it's also about seeing, do we agree on these things? Do, Do we have similar thoughts about what a family should be and how married life is. So that's especially if you are getting into a courtship, have taken that step. You need to talk a lot with each other about the future. Also things like children. Are you thinking about having children? So if if we never address these things before we get married, then there might be some misunderstandings. And uh, that's why it's very important to talk a lot. And maybe also sometimes we experienced in the beginning, when we had some physical contact, we didn't need to talk so much because we could just hug. So maybe also, not having so much physical contact can also help us to stay focused in this process as well. Okay, so um, maybe, based upon what you've heard or today or otherwise studied, It might also be that some of you need to take decisions so so we don't know any of your situation you can be in very many different stages in this area but if you are in a relationship or is maybe approaching one that you can see are not according to god's principles then maybe you need to break that because Doing God's will is always the best thing to do. It might be hard, but doing the right thing is always the best for yourself and for others. And God will then help you with that. It may also be that you need to take a step forward and go forward. So we we cannot know your situation, but I had to think for myself, as I was in a courtship with the prior, it could also be easy just to continue like that. So, of course, it is very important to take time and not hasten through the process, but also to have an aim and not just stay aimlessly in that situation. And so, for me, I was I was reading, yeah, maybe have time to read those quotes. Um, we have read this before about these questions that we had to ask, and then it says, if these reflections present no drawback, then in the fear of God, move forward. And that could be in in all of the different steps toward marriage. And also this was another quote that that talked to me in this situation. Um, Elmachi writes to a person and says, I'm not close by you, but there's a counselor who's close by you at hand and not afar, afar. off. I advise that earnest supplication be made to God by both parties. Then if there seems to be no obstacle in the way, go forward in the fear of God. This is not me saying, you should go forward now. It is just a consideration also to make that maybe it is time to take a step either back or forward based upon uh, your own study of this of this topic. So, time is up, um, but in the end we, c- we can say, this is a broad topic and there are many aspects of this topic that we could touch on that we have not done. We don't have all the time, and not all things about this has been relevant for us. And every situation is unique. So um, the story, the love story of Adam and Eve, it was different from the love story of Isaac and Rebecca, which was different from the love story of Ruth and Boaz. But still, all of these stories, they were led by God. And so, it's not only about um, copying someone else's story. Hopefully, you will not copy our story, especially not in the beginning. But, it is about seeking God's guidance in this, surrendering it to him. And then, God, he also has a unique story for you that may be different from anyone else, but... Seeking His guidance on this is the very most important thing to do. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.